Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, and everyone outside and in between. This is the Kendaris Pictures Podcast. I am your host, A.G. Marie, and this evening we will revisit a landmark case in Black Los Angeles and Black American history. First, let's hear a word from our sponsor. From the December 15th, 1945 issue of the Afro-American, here is a story from Los Angeles. Held as a decision of far-reaching importance, Superior Judge Thurman Clark Thursday ruled that racial restrictive covenants are in direct violation of the United States Constitution. The edict was handed down in the case of Blueberry Hill involving Hattie McDaniel, Louise Beavers, Juan Tazol, Russell Smith, and 34 other well-known business and professional people. An appeal to the state and United States Supreme Courts was expected, according to Lauren Miller, attorney, who represented the defendants in the action. Mr. Miller jubilantly hailed the decision as the first of its kind in the United States, asserting that it should set the pattern outlawing residential restrictive pacts all over the country. The judge explains his action. In handing down his decision, Judge Clark said, Colored people too long have been deprived of their constitutional rights. They were not denied these rights when they were called to defend their country. It is time some court intervened to protect their rights. You can read the rest of this article in the Google News Archive or on the Google News Archive, rather. Again, it is the December 15th, 1945 issue of the Afro-American. The link will be in the description um, on Anchor as well as on Kendaris Pictures website. So this was, first of all, I never heard about this case. If you Google it and do additional research on it, you will see that um, I've, what I saw, this is the only article that refers to the case as a Blueberry Hill case. Otherwise, or in other places, it is known as the Sugar Hill case. So um, this area in Los Angeles, the West Adams neighborhood, it was named Sugar Hill some say or most say it was named that in in honor of the Sugar Hill neighborhood in Harlem, pretty much. So the interesting thing or what's so funny to me about this is when, and when I say it's funny, it's I say that sarcastically. Like a lot of affluent neighborhoods, uh, affluent African-American neighborhoods in the United States um, during the 1930s and 40s, it's originally started as a um, typically mostly white American neighborhood. Um and came come the 1920s and the 1930s, we move into the Great Depression. And it's a neighborhood filled with mansions, large houses. And around just before the Great Depression, first, the, the residents of the neighborhood were asked not to ever sell any property or any houses to to black people, of course. And again, once we get into get close to the Great Depression, the residents are just like, okay, I'm about to sell my house to anybody, you know, who, who wants to buy it, who wants to afford it. So this is when we get into a time where a lot of African-Americans in Los Angeles were living in the eastern, the east side and um, Central Avenue areas like this or Central South Los Angeles more so. And they were starting to move or find new places to live. And this opportunity became available to them again in like the 19. 1930s and the neighborhood 
according to a blog or a website called LA Curbed or Los Angeles Curb, very, 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 very important website to visit if you want to read about Los Angeles history. Um, I've referred to this this website or gone back to this website many times in my personal research about Los Angeles and black Los Angeles. But anyway, so um, the the black residents moved into this neighborhood. It was actually falling apart. It was actually on the decline. So they moved in people like Hattie McDaniel, um, Louise Beavers, Ben Carter, um, business people like the Somervilles who built the um, Dunbar Hotel and so many other people, as the article says, they moved into these houses and they renovated them. They changed them around. They repainted them, redecorated them and, you know, made it a go-to place. Hattie McDaniel had a lot of parties. Louise Beaver, she would rent out rooms in her own house for other people to stay in. And she would have her own little parties. She would have poker nights and things like that. So... A lot of people in the neighborhood, some of the old residents, some of the older white residents were appreciative of this, appreciative of this. And they actually said out loud they were appreciative of the changes that these residents made, the black residents. But then it was just like, okay, but now we need you all to leave. And (laughs) so, you know, nothing surprising. Um, And so some the again, the older and according to. L.A. Curbed, as well as the Afro-American article, the people who were loud about this and making a lot of noise, it was very few (laughs) in comparison to to other people in the neighborhood. And they created this 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 suit, this case to try to get um, the black residents to leave. And what was even funnier and what makes this even more funny is their argument. And the case was that there was an actual pact. There was actually some type of covenant, some type of writing document that said that people couldn't rent to black residents and that them moving in people like Hattie McDaniel, Daniel and Louise Beavers moving in went against the document, went against this, um, this contract. And (laughs) so that was their case. So then uh, Lauren Miller, the NAACP attorney, he was like, well, now that you've mentioned it, now that you've brought this to my attention, that's illegal. You know, <laughs> that goes against the Constitution. Is that am I wrong or am I right? So obviously, as you can tell, Judge Thurman Clark of this um, of Los Angeles, he was just like, you know what? I agree. This is illegal. This is unconstitutional. And we're going to go ahead and and rule in favor of the residents in in favor of Hattie McDaniel, Louise Beavers and all of the black residents and families, professionals and movie stars that have moved into this neighborhood. And not only did that, but also kind of revitalized it. So. Very interesting history outside of, you know, what goes on on the Hollywood set or what used to go on or what went on for black entertainers in Hollywood on the set and behind the scenes. This is a very good look into how even people like and I I hate saying the word even people like, but, you know, as it goes, there's a certain way that you have to be. There's a certain um height that you have to reach in order to be considered um uh, to to get some 
inkling of respect from certain people in this country. So then you have people like Hattie McDaniel who reached those heights and exceeded those heights. Louise Beavers and Ben Carter, um, a Hollywood agent, a black talent agent, an Oscar winning, not even nominated, an Oscar winning actress. Um, and Louise Beavers, an actress who'd appeared in by the night, by 1945, who'd probably been in about 50 movies, if not more than that. So you have these people who moved into this neighborhood, familiar people, familiar faces, familiar names, who still just were not good enough to to live beside and live across the street from. And it's, it's you know, that's the way it is. That's the way it's it's gone. It's been all this time. And whether you were a, a domestic worker in Jackson Ward in Richmond, or not even Jackson Ward, because Jackson Ward was a black neighborhood. <laughs> but whether you were a domestic worker, a carpenter moving into a predominantly white neighborhood or a more affluent neighborhood, or whether you were a movie star or a business owner, a CEO, an entrepreneur, it, it just did not end to this day. Most times it still does not matter. So I didn't mean to go off on that tangent, but... It's very interesting. So this case does um, predate quite a few other cases in relations in relation to housing segregation and housing segregation practice practices or discriminatory housing practices. Let's say it like that. So please go and research more on this case. Again, I will have links to sources and additional information on Anchor as well as on KanarisPictures.com. And until then, I will see you in about two, about two weeks. Um, the week of Christmas, I believe. So thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Canaris Pictures podcast. Thank you so much for your following for the last three seasons and for your your support and your shares and your likes and all of that. Please go check out the previous episode of the Kinderous Pictures podcast. It features an, a radio episode of um, or an episode of the suspense program that used to come on CBS radio in the 1930s until the 1960s. The episode that I shared or that is in the the podcast the previous podcast episode it stars lena horn so go check that out and again i will see you or hope you come to listen to me next time if you enjoy this episode of the kinderis pictures podcast don't forget to share it you may also support kinderis pictures by donating through paypal coffee.com or by purchasing merchandise from the kinderis picture shop please visit www.kinderispictures.com for more information.